It was a complete team comeback win for the Atlanta Falcons in week two with big days from Bijan and clutch play from Desmond Ritter and the Falcons defense. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast. This illustrious podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And guys, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. We're going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply and guys if you don't know me i'm aaron freeman your very humble host here of this illustrious podcast and of course i used to cover the falcons for many years over at falfans.com rip you may also know me as Sirius black you may also know me as mr holier than thou and of course mr drew my friends call me negative nancy but you can call me mr drew but you can become one of my friends by becoming an everydayer of this humble podcast by subscribing or following for free on youtube or wherever you listen to your podcast and make us your first listen each and every day. So, of course, today we are reacting to the Falcons week to win over the Carolina. No, the Green Bay Packers. Sorry. And uh, it was a resilient performance from the Falcons. Right. We'll be breaking down that resilience on today's episode. But the story of the game, you know, that gutsy fourth down call from Arthur Smith, as well as the defensive stops and the, the play of the Falcons young quarterback showing us something in the fourth quarter. So I think we got to start with that gutsy call from Arthur Smith on fourth down with little more than two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. The Falcons found themselves at the Packers 23 down two points. They had an opportunity. Okay. You can kick the field goal, give green Bay a chance to, you know, to go down the field in, in two minutes uh, and, and, you know, potentially seal the win um, or, or get their own comeback win. Um, or you can go for it on fourth and inches and the Falcons went for it on fourth and inches. They ran a toss play to Bijan Robinson uh, rather than selling for those that field goal. And, you know, this is the type of call that if you make it and you don't get it, you cost us the game. And you make it and we do get it, you know, you potentially win the game. And everybody's looking at Arthur Smith at his post-game presser and saying, you know, what are those two giant orbs bulging in his pants? Right. You know, that type of thing. And and so they they go for it. It decides again. They they run a toss play to Bijan Robinson, you know, not necessarily a high percentage play. Uh traditionally, you know, there is some penetration on the play. Bijan avoids that. He gets kind of, you know, John o. Smith kind of gets the, the key block, gets enough of the defender to give D- Bijan that room to to avoid that that defender in the backfield. Uh, and, and turns, you know, a negative play into a seven yard game. And then the Falcons are able to bleed another minute off the clock, you know, and then ultimately wind up kicking the game winning field goal 25 yards from Young Way Koo uh, with 57 seconds left in the game. And now you need to stop on defense. And up to this point, the defense has forced two three and outs already in, in the fourth quarter, and you need to get a third one. Um, and Jordan Love comes out there, he misses his first pass. The Falcons dial up some pressure. 
Arnold Abiketti gets free late on a stunt, and that forces Love to miss his second pass. Then it's third down, and Jared Grady Jarrett gets free late on a stunt on that third down and forces an overthrow of, you know, Romeo Dobbs, who had beat Trey Flowers, more on Trey Flowers later in, the, in today's episode. But then it's fourth and ten. Falcons run, you know, let's let's keep stunting the, this team to death. It's working. And they do it again. Ebiketti gets the hit again. But Love seemingly hits Samari Torre over the middle, beating Trey Flowers, who makes a diving grab over the middle. And, and it looks like Packers got a first down. But there's a flag. Samari Torre got called for a legal shift. He wasn't set before the snap. And then, of course, the officials, now that's under two minutes, is less than a minute to go, less than 30 seconds ago at this point. They review the catch, and they realize that Torre trapped it on the turf. That makes it an incomplete pass. And thanks to the penalty, the Falcons just have to decline the penalty, and it's a turnover on downs. And they take the ball back, a few seconds left. Packers out of timeouts. They go into victory formation, and the Falcons walk away with the win. And so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of things in, in this game, sorry. But my three biggest takeaways, Bijan, absolutely incredible. Ritter, after an iffy first three quarters, pulled through in the clutch in the fourth quarter and was lights out then. And then the defense came through in the fourth quarter as well with three three and outs, you know, or technically, I guess, two three and outs and a four and out. But they didn't give up a single completion. They didn't give up a single first down in the first quarter. quarter. (coughs) I'm sorry, guys. I can't talk. In the fourth quarter quarter they didn't give up a first down in the fourth quarter so this is sort of the big takeaway is the falcons once again like they did last week against carolina they finished strong after three iffy quarters um you can say they got outplayed for those three quarters and while they were down 12 points going into the fourth quarter you know the game i think was closer than the score indicated right but they didn't do the things that they needed to do in those first three quarters to to maximize their ability to score points, right? They struggled in the red zone. Desmond Ritter threw his first interception of his career on the opening drive. Um, You know, it wasn't that the Packers were kicking their butts or anything. It's just the Packers played a much cleaner game. Um, And, you know, the Falcons wound up with four explosive plays in this game. Three of those came in the fourth quarter. So they were able to take advantage of a couple of Packers coverage busts late in the game. So it proved to be a resilient win for the Falcons. Once again, showing that while this team is, is, is going to be far from perfect for four quarters. But when the chips are down, you know, they tend to make the plays that they need to make in order to win these games. And that's what separates them from these other teams that are contenders, you know, the contenders versus the pretenders in the NFC with Carolina and, and Green Bay right now being more pretenders than contenders. And that may be the thing that separates the Falcons uh, and why this team is potentially going to win their division and potentially, you know, make the playoffs this year compared to those other teams. Uh, so we'll continue to talking about those three big takeaways, Bijan, the quarterback play, um, as and, and as well as the defense, as we continue today's episode. But we'll, we'll also talk about, when we talk about Desmond Ritter, we'll talk about the mobility and how that kind of was an X factor for the Falcons that they needed in order to spark their offense in the second half. And we'll get into all that, guys, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So success for the Atlanta Falcons is dependent on the team members that they surround their young quarterback with, just like success if you're a small business owner depends on the people that you hire to reach your goals in 2023. But it's certainly easier for you because you don't have to worry about Rashawn Gary or Jair Alexander, you know, throwing a wrench into your hiring plans. All you got to do is go to LinkedIn jobs and you can quickly attract and hire the qualified candidates by matching with the people who have the right skills 
values and experiences to help you achieve your goals with LinkedIn jobs. You can put a free job post up in front of in up in front of over 800 million members in minutes to find those most qualified candidates. It's easy to screen and rate applicants based off of job qualification qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs is going to help you find a qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. And our friends at prize picks are back with the fun and quick way to play daily fantasy. And if you took Bijan Robinson on his more projection of 64 and a half rushing yards, you're probably looking great. But did you get that second entry right? Because the more entries you stack at prize picks, the more money you win up to 25 times your money. And if you missed out on this week's payout, don't worry, we got you. Right. It's simple. All you got to do is go to prize picks, pick two or more players and based off of more or less on their projected stats. And you win up to 25 times your money. It's quick. It's easy. It takes less than a minute. All makes prize picks. Number one daily fantasy sports app. Just go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the code locked on NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or use the promo code locked on NFL in lowercase prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. So if Jesse Bates was our week one MVP, then Bijan Robinson hands down has to be the week two MVP. He finished with a team leading 124 rushing yards on 19 carries added four catches for 48 yards. Um, And, you know, you look at the 6.5 yards per carry and you say, okay, he played really well and he did. Right. But longtime listeners know on this podcast, we don't, we don't care about yards per carry. We care about success rate, right. And the 68%, success rate that Bijan had on the ground uh, is much more indicative of how great he was in this game, right? Success rate, if you don't know, um, basically measures rushing success based off of down and distance, right? So if you get like a 10 yard run on a third and 12, that's going to be a big boost for your yards per carry, but that's not a successful run, right? You know, yards per carries tend to focus too much on, on sort of the long runs that can kind of skew those numbers in the wrong direction. And, you know, one quick trick, you know, that I've learned over the years when it comes to success rate, because you like you hear these numbers like, is that a good success rate? Quick trick is just to kind of double the number and then look at it like as a passer rating. Right. So we consider 45 percent success rate uh, for a running back as good. Right. Because if you double that and that would be a 90. And right. If you had a quarterback rating of 90, you'd say that was a pretty good day for a player. And with Bijan Robinson having a success rate of 68.4 doubling that, that would be close to 137 passer rating. And if someone had that type of game as a quarterback, you'd be like, he was incredible in this game. So um, that to me is indicative. 68% is really indicative of Bijan really kind of dominating this game and being a big reason why the Falcons won that, you know, especially in, in the second half of the game after Ritter got off to a rough start, Falcons kind of came out trying to, I, I think Arthur Smith was kind of show, Hey, you know, one of the question marks after week one was like, Arthur Smith doesn't have a lot of confidence in Desmond Ritter. And I think he tried to show he had confidence in Desmond Ritter when the Falcons got in the red zone this game, throwing the ball a little bit more than running the ball. They had three plays from the one. They they threw it twice, um, you know, didn't convert. Uh, then at the beginning of the second half, come out throwing three straight times. They didn't complete a pass. So that was, I think, Arthur Smith sort of trying to show confidence in Desmond Ritter. Didn't really work out. And then after that point, you saw the Falcons get back to running the football and their offense seemed to get back on track. So, you know, 
as I said earlier, Desmond Ritter did not pl play particularly great in the first three quarters, but then came through strong of the clutch. You know, in the fourth quarter, by my count, he was six for eight for 119 yards. Uh, that was that would have been a, a quarterback rating of 117. So again, very good performance in the fourth quarter. And what also was interesting about this murder, he added a couple of key runs, including a six-yard touchdown run. Um, he, he underthrew a 45-yard bomb to Mac Hollins off a flea flicker that set up that scoring touchdown that he had but that was really kind of the only complaint you would have from desmond ritter in the fourth quarter and we talk about success rate you know if you count both his throws and his runs in the fourth quarter ritter had a success rate of 58 percent. so again another very good number for the falcons and so you know let, let's talk a little bit about the bad before we get to the good with desmond ritter you know he did throw pick on the opening drive of this game but he was hit as he threw and so like that pick even though it resulted in an interception again the process you know we believe in process over results you know, the process there, you know, I don't think was his fault, right? It was a bad result. But then he had two bad turnover-worthy plays that were dropped, right? And those were bad process, but I guess okay results because they were incomplete passes. Um, there was a fourth and four in the second quarter. He tried to force a throw on a hitch. The Drake London, Jair Alexander dropped that, jumped it and dropped it. Then on the opening drive in that third quarter, he didn't see Quay Walker sinking into the throwing lane and and tried to throw, I think, a, a dig to Kyle Pitts. And that was a gimme interception that Quay Walker wound up dropping on another bad decision. Um, and so the book now on, on Desmond Ritter through six starts is, you know, he, he more often than not, he tends to be a very slow starter, right? That's been the case through most of his six starts. Um, and, you know, like last week, we did see him make that big throw to Kyle Pitts late in the game. And I think this week we saw him again step it up in the fourth quarter. And I joked with Jarvis on the postcast on uh, Locked On Sports Atlanta YouTube, of course, Locked On Falcons audio feed that, you know, if we can get fourth quarter Desmond Ritter in the first three quarters, you know, we're, we're, we'll be, you know, people need to watch out for this Falcon team. But, you know, that's that's still going to be a work in progress. He's still young, so it's understandable that he hasn't necessarily completely figured it out. But, you know, I think Jarvis made a great point that I agree with on the, on the postcast that, you know, in this game, you saw Jordan Love look the better guy in the third quarter. And I think it was mostly because Jordan Love was doing a good job executing Green Bay's offense. And I think the, the comparison I made to Jarvis earlier in the week was, you know, Jordan Love is kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Operating, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur's offense, like J Jimmy G used to operate, San Francisco, like you weren't looking there in, at San Francisco often and say, oh, they're good because of Jimmy Garoppolo. It, they're, they're good because of Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo is just kind of the vessel in which Shanahan operates is a similar dynamic with Brock Purdy. But with the game on the line, when they needed Jordan Love to kind of be the guy that sort of making the throws and making the plays to win in the game, Jordan Love fell flat. Right. And that's basically the opposite of what happened on this Sunday with Desmond Now we can certainly nitpick Arthur Smith's play calling and whatnot through three quarters if we want to, but the bottom line is it wasn't necessarily the cleanest execution of that offense through those first three quarters. But with the game on the line, as I said, uh, you need your guy to go out there and make some plays, make some throws. Desmond Ritter showed he was capable of doing that on this day. And I think, you know, a big part of that was owed to the mobility. He wasn't afraid to sort of tuck it and run it. We talked about the summer, how, his mobility could be an asset for this offense, right? Especially if and when teams were playing man coverage, he could make them pay with his legs. And I talked to some Falcon fans on Saturday on the Lockdown Falcons Discord, um, and some of those guys expressed their desire to see Desmond use his legs a little bit more than he did in week one, and they got their wish, and it proved effective. 
And, you know, there were a couple of times where Ritter was scrambling and I was like yelling at my TV, like, you know, looking, seeing an open receiver 10 yards on the field. And I'm like, throw the ball. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So we'll take what we can get in this. Uh, and I think for the most part, he was, uh, you know, doing a great job with his legs. And in the end, you know, the Falcons ran some design runs as well, not just him scrambling and, and trying to make something out of nothing. And again, I think in the end, Ritter showed the thing that what so many people have said about him in the past, which is he's a gamer, right? It's not always pretty. It's not always efficient. But when the game was on the line, he did his thing, right? And he stepped up. And I think this is a big step in the right direction for Desmond Ritter after a lackluster week one. So hopefully he can continue to build off of this in stack days, going back to a comment I made to uh, Scott Bear earlier in the week. So, you know, I have a strong inclination that when we do this week's All-22 breakdown, we'll be focusing on the things that Desmond Ritter did right in the fourth quarter, as opposed to focusing on the things that he did wrong in the first three quarters. But uh, let's wrap up today's episode talking about the Falcons defense. It was an up and down day for them as well, similar to the quarterback, but like the quarterback, they came through in the clutch and we'll break that down as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So guys, snap into NFL action this week and this season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So just head on over to FanDuel.com slash on. And you can kick off the NFL season two. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. So a lot happened in this game. And normally I would take time to sort of summarize things here, but I'm not going to do that today. Um, you know, if you miss the game, then go <laughs> watch the extended highlights on YouTube. Usually the NFL posts those on YouTube, on their YouTube channel. And that I think will be worthwhile. You'll, you'll see a lot of the ups and downs of back and forth, whatnot. It's just so much happened that it would, you know, it would take way too much time to try to summarize all that happened in this game. So again, we'll, we'll wrap up focusing on the defense, but before we get into that, I do want to comment a little bit on one of the things that did stand out to me watching this game was, you know, if the Falcons had lost, I'd probably be talking about this more, which was, I thought this game kind of illustrated the difference in Matt LaFleur as a play caller versus Arthur Smith. Right. And I, and I noticed this going into the game because the Packers were down a couple of their key players on offense, like Aaron Jones and Christian Watson and David Bakhtiari. Um, and a lot of people were like, Oh yeah, the Falcons should be able to, to roll in this game because green Bay is missing their, their, their top playmakers on offense. And, and certainly I think, you know, probably in the fourth quarter, green Bay would have loved to have one or more of those guys out there. Overall, in this game, I don't think Green Bay missed them that much because I think a lot of that is owed to the fact that Matt LaFleur is a very good play caller. And that was kind of my takeaway from the week one game, watching it. It wasn't, oh, Jordan Love is, is a great quarterback. It was just like Matt LaFleur is you know, a really good play caller, and Jordan Love went out there and executed his offense very well. And we'll see if that opinion holds up for a second week in a row uh, when I watch the All-22 on Tuesday. But it, at least my initial watch, similar conclusion which is, you know, Matt LaFleur is going to call an offense that he's going to, you know, scheme up ways to 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 maximize his talent, even if he doesn't have that sort of, you know, A-level 
or S tier or whatever you want to call it, you know, type of playmakers in his offense. And you saw that, you know, with the, some of the diversity that he showed on his playbook with flea flickers and jet sweeps and, you know, all these different types of things that he was calling to find ways to, to, to make guys like Jaden Reed and, you know, Samari Torre and, and Dontavian Wicks guys that I think most people, you know, probably ha- half the Falcon fans listening to me or, t- or watching me right now, never even had heard of uh, until I just mentioned them or, or watched them on, on Sunday. And Arthur Smith's offense tends to be more, and this is something we've been talking about for over two years, it's kind of more dependent on having dudes, right? It's handed off to Bijan and let Bijan do his thing. It's, you know, Drake London, I need you to go out there and, and win one-on-one against Jair Alexander and, and Desmond Ritter. Hopefully we'll get you the ball. And, and Kyle Pitts, I need you to go out there and make that sort of t- contested grab down the field or or whatever the case may be. And I know that sounds like criticism. I don't mean it in a criticism. Just that just to me is kind of the way it is, right? And, you know, I think for that reason, that's why I think a lot of people probably were a little surprised on how effective Green Bay was in this game going early on. Now, when we talk about the defense, again, they came through in the fourth quarter, absolutely. But, you know, one of one of the bigger takeaways I had was, you know, Trey Flowers, right? Rough, rough day at the offense for Trey Flowers, and I, I thought it would be. That's that's kind of why I'm talking about it, because I figured, okay, I know, I know Matt LaFleur is good at his job. And so I have the feeling, like, this is one of the hallmarks of the Kyle Shanahan which is he's going to circle a player that he thinks is a weakness for you. And he's going to go after that guy. And I figured, okay, Matt LaFleur has got a little bit more Kyle Shanahan in him than necessarily Arthur Smith. And so if I'm him, I'm going to circle Trey flowers. I'm going to circle Nate Landman. And even if Troy Anderson had been healthy and, and played this game, I probably would have circled Troy Anderson uh, given his proclivity to, to make some mental errors as, as a young player. And I would have basically attacked those guys. Now, Nate Lamb, to his credit, I didn't really notice Nate Lamb in this game other than a couple of positive plays he made against the run uh, in this game. So that's a promising sign for Nate Lamb. So we'll, we'll see if that holds up when I watch the All-22 later this week. But Trey Flowers did notice a lot, and he was getting beat a lot. He gave up a DPI late in the third quarter that resulted in a 43-yard gain that I think set up uh, the Packers' last touchdown. He gave up... Uh, on that same drive, he gave up too much cushion to Jaden Reed a, a couple of plays later, gave him an easy first down, and th- they pulled him for the rest of the series. Um, put Mike Hughes in the game to, to close out that drive. Um, and then they put him back in on the next drive. Um, and then at the in the final drive, where you know the Falcons forced the four and out, you know, he he got beat by Romeo Dobbs and Jordan Love just mi- overthrew the pass. Right. And so we would have been sitting here being like, Trey Flowers is the worst, you know, process, you know, over results. But um, I bring it up because, you know, everydayers heard me express my concerns about Trey Flowers at the end of August about whether he could hold up as a starter. And frankly, this is kind of the I told you so game <laughs> when it comes to that. So we'll see if Jeff Akuda comes back sooner versus later. Hopefully he'll be back next week. We'll see on that front. Um, you know, at this point in time, it's 50, 50, it's a toss up at this point. So we'll see, you know, AJ Terrell didn't have his best game. He got off to a rocky start, gave up. He also gave up a, a 40 plus yard play on, on a pass interference on the opening play of the game on a flea flicker. He did get a pass breakup in the fourth quarter though. He jumped the throw. He should have had an interception, but he dropped it. Uh, but you know, he kind of made up for it, uh, after that sort of opening drive. But as I said, I think the defense came through in the end, uh, they needed to, right. You know, we, we spent a lot of money this offseason on this defense, and it was like, you guys got to go out there and earn your checks. 
And they did. They did in the fourth quarter. So credit to those guys. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what those guys do over the next two games, right? These are going to be some big measuring sticks for how good is this defense actually, you know, to see how far they've come. We we know they've come a, a long ways, right, to, to be able to close out this game in last week's game in the fashion that they did. Right, that's a massive improvement from previous Falcons defenses that would have let Bryce Young and Jordan Love carve them up uh, and and go down the field in less than a minute and and get go ahead scores and, and game time scores and all that stuff. But you know, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, this Lions offense, this Jaguars offense um, is a different level than what we faced these first two weeks. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown and Calvin Ridley are a different caliber of receiver than we faced these first two weeks. So, again, I love how clutch the defense was today. I love Nielsen's aggressiveness late in the game to dial up the stunts and the blitzes to finish off teams as he did this week as and last week. But, you know, they still got to step up in the coming weeks, right? But And they won't have the benefit of having the crowd behind them as they have these first two weeks. Shout out to the home crowd. Uh, you guys don't get enough credit uh, for, you know, showing up when when you guys do show up, you know. Uh, people always try to hold it against you and, and constantly are attacking Falcon fans and you will not hear me ever slander the, the, the um, what, what's the word, the um, loyalty of Falcon fans here on this podcast, right? I'll slander you guys for, for your bad takes about the team, but I will not slander you on other things. But, you know, I, I think with this defense, there's cautious optimism moving forward. You know, every week is going to be a brand new test. And this is something that I 100% agree with Arthur Smith that he brings up constantly is uh, like you can't rest on your laurels in the NFL because you will get humbled quick. So, you know, the challenge ahead is going to be, there's going to be some tougher tests these next couple of weeks, but so far the Falcons defense has passed the two tests that they needed to pass, you know, to, to finish off their opponents, which is again, something we have not said too often about the Falcons defense over the last, you know, five, six years. Um, so that's, that's why you feel good, and it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how they measure up against better offenses. Like I don't think Jacksonville, Detroit, like you know, this isn't Miami. I, I guess Miami is now the, the uh, team, you know, because Kansas City seems like they've taken a step back. But um, you know, I don't know who's who's now the the reigning champ in terms of elite offense in the NFL right now. I guess it's Miami, but who knows? Uh, but you know, two and zero. Oh. Great start to the season, better than the one-on-one one I projected. I know some of you guys are always going to give me grief on my predictions. Like I sit here, you know, each and every day giving you, you know, 30 minutes of great content, but you only care about the, those last 30 seconds <laughs> on whether or not I pick the Falcons to win. And it's like, oh, all the, all, oh, you know, the 29 and a half minutes of, of, of great analysis is thrown out the window simply because, you know, I flipped a coin and, and chose the other team. And I'll sit here and tell you right now, I'll probably pick the Lions to win next week. And I hope I'm wrong. Like, you know, it's like <laughs> if, if I measured my ability to do this podcast and do my job based off my ability to simply just predict whether or not the Falcons are going to win games. Like it, like these games pretty much for like three quarters have gone how I thought they would go. And the difference was the Falcons came through in the fourth quarter. So if, if me predict, you know, that's that's how I say. I don't know. I don't know. I just I just think it's it's funny to me because like I know I'm gonna get a ton of comments already probably about oh you picked the, the Falcons to lose this game I'm like okay and <laughs> so but anyway we'll be back with more um tomorrow breaking down this game even further 
we'll see if I can scrounge up a guest. I have a couple in mind, but I'll reach out to those folks in the, in the next few hours to get their thoughts on, on, on this thing. So we'll see not only will we keep it going here on this illustrious podcast, but we'll see if the Falcons can keep this going moving forward. So that is going to do it for us, guys. Continue to check out Locked On Falcons as your first listen. Of course, for your second listen, check out the Locked On NFL shows uh, to get the lowdown on what happened with the other 30 teams this weekend, of course. And, uh, you know, if you want to see Peter Bukowski cry in his Cheerios, go check out Locked On Packers as your third listen. So there you guys have it. Appreciate it. Till then.